0: Good evening. My name is Lynn Hardy and I will be your Keeper of Arcane Law for the remaining part of Curate and Curability by Mr. S.R. Sellens. And I am joined this evening by Lydia from The Stars Are Right and Miskatonic Playhouse. Lydia, would you care to give us a review of what you believe happened during the last session, please? For our listeners...
1: I would indeed. Hello, listeners. Miss Janitra Chatterjee has had a lovely summer, a lovely season in Brighton by the seaside. And she's made a very good friend, Miss Eleanor Mortimer. And they've become really close over the summer. On the final night of the season, before everybody heads back to their daily lives, she met... Eleanor's brother at a ball, a very pleasant, perhaps a little bit melancholy man, a curate who lost his wife slightly less than a year ago, so it's kind of surprising that he's out in society so soon, very surprising that he's dancing with ladies at a ball, but dance he did, and Janitra has decided he's the one. He really needs a nice woman to take away all his sad, sad memories of losing his wife And she's been invited down to the vicarage in Hampshire by her new friend, Miss Eleanor. And she's staying there and hopefully will have a ring on her finger before too very long.
0: Now, the last time we saw Miss Chatterjee, she'd just visited the graveyard to have a look at Charlotte Mortimer's grave and that's the Reverend Mortimer's late wife who as you correctly said died less than a year ago. She died on the 3rd of December 1811 and it is currently the 18th of September 1812 and you are heading back to the vicarage for lunch after which the Reverend Mortimer is going to take you on a tour of his church. And if that's not a hot date I don't know what is. Nobody's what counts for a hot date in Hampshire at this point in time, yes.
1: (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. You have to make your own entertainment. Janitra is walking back to the vicarage and she's kind of warring over what she's learned and what she's just seen. This tomb, this grave to this woman who was supposedly so very loved, but it's terribly impersonal, isn't it? There's no comforting Bible verse, there's no epitaph about losing somebody or leaving him behind it's just names dates of death that's it that's very odd and for somebody that was supposed to really love his wife there's no flowers either just a few petals left there but nothing recently and probably not from him from what janitra has heard so she's a bit puzzled she doesn't really know the way his head's working but it's a mystery that she wants to uncover
0: Certainly from what Miss Cooper and Miss Shibden told you at the Haberdashers earlier, the Reverend Mortimer has never been seen leaving flowers at his wife's grave, only Squire Goodwin, her uncle. And as far as you can tell, he seems to have been the person that's been most upset by her death and you don't know whether that's just because everyone's attempting to put a brave face on it or they're in denial about the way that she died.
1: Yes, it was very mysterious, some kind of illness which might have been there for quite a while undiagnosed but then suddenly got worse and worse and apparently the vicar looked everywhere for a cure but nothing. And then she remembers that piece of paper that she found in the dressing table. Some kind of botanist's journal. Drawings of a flower that she doesn't think she knows. She doesn't think she's seen it before. And some notes about it being poisonous in large quantities, but also bringing visions. That's odd. But, you know, maybe it's one of these old herbalists' remedies. She doesn't really know what goes on in the countryside. Perhaps there's some kind of... I don't know, an old wise woman, like in a novel, who's given this kind of herbal remedy in the hope of curing her. Who knows? It's all terribly romantic, though.
0: And as that thought passes through your head, you arrive back at the vicarage. It's not a very long walk. Obviously, the church is right next door. And you open the door. And despite the fact that Eleanor said she was heading back here to get things in hand, you still get that feeling of neglect, and almost abandonment, to be quite honest. You only arrived here yesterday, but you still would have thought she could have got the housekeeper to flick a duster or something round while you were out. The place looks as dusty as it did before.
1: Hmm. Again, that's really curious, isn't it? There are servants. Maybe she needs to have a gentle word with these servants and just tell the housekeeper that She's going to need to buck her ideas up a bit. But that will come on the day when she becomes the lady of this vicarage.
0: As you enter, you see Eleanor and Reverend Mortimer come out of the library, which is directly in front of you where you come in through the front door.
1: Oh, hello, Eleanor, dear. Reverend, how are you? I've had a most bracing walk back from the church.
0: It's such a pretty village. Eleanor smiles at you and walks towards you. Oh, hello. I'm very glad that you've had a good walk. You'll be ready for lunch then? Oh, very much so, yes. The the country air is so soothing and also
1: reinvigorating and I shall do full justice to the housekeeper's good cooking.
0: She takes you by the arm and starts to turn you away. But could you give me a spot hidden roll, please? I can indeed. Let's see if the dice roller likes you any better tonight.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. Last session was the worst dice I've ever had in my life. Let's see what we've got. Ah, oh, this hates me. 74 over 60.
0: You think you catch a movement out of the corner of your eye as she's turning you away from the library door, but you just don't really see what it is. You get the feeling that the vicar's lingered by the door Slightly longer than was entirely necessary, but as you say, he's a strange man. Charming, but strange. You head into the dining room. There on the dining room table is some fresh break bed. And Eleanor smiles and says, I-, I hope you don't mind, but uh, there was a little bit of stew left over from last night. And seeing as you mentioned that you've just had a bracing walk, we thought that you wouldn't mind helping eat up the rest of it.
1: Janitra puts on a very polite smile. It was terribly, terribly boring, stew, but... Oh, well. Oh, of course not. Waste not, want not. And
0: you hear Reverend Mortimer come in behind you and head for his seat at the head of the table. He said, I'm pleased to hear you express such common sense, Miss Chatterjee.
1: In her head, she starts thinking she really needs to introduce these people to seasoning. <laughs> so you sit down. Can you give me another spot hidden roll, please? I
0: can. And that one was a success. 54 against 60. Now, this is definitely the same stew that you had last night. Some sort of pork or veal or something. But you notice that the stew that the Reverend Mortimer and his sister are eating doesn't appear to have any meat in it. You didn't notice that last night. You're assuming possibly because of the low lighting in the room with the candles.
1: That's unusual hmm, maybe they're just being good hosts and trying to give the guest what they think is the best portion. Yes, that's very odd because she did say that there was some left over and if there wasn't enough to go round, surely it would have been given to the servants or, well, he's a vicar, perhaps it should have been given to the poor instead. Even in a place like this, there's got to be a couple of people who are going hungry who'd appreciate some good vegetable stew but she's too well-mannered to make a point out of this. So she just eats,
0: trying to look as though she's enjoying it. So, Miss Chatterjee, what did you think of the village, says the reverend, as he very carefully eats his stew?
1: Well, the haberdashers was just wonderful. I I wasn't expecting to see somewhere so well-stocked outside of London. It's very lovely, the most beautiful laces and silks. And the ribbons absolutely gorgeous
0: he nods politely at you but you get the distinct impression that this is more his <laughs> sister's domain than his pretty much there's this momentary sadness passes over his face and he said charlotte spent many happy hours there choosing fabric for her garments and and her fripperies yes we are Most fortunate to have such a a well-stocked, as you say, business within such a small village. It's one of the remarkable things about Osney Grange. Yes, the
1: proprietress must be a rare businesswoman. I'm very admiring of her to have made such a success of a small business.
0: She too was widowed young, I believe, but has a sensible head on her shoulders and has made much of what her husband left her. Oh, how very, very sad. Was it unexpected? Do you know, I can't honestly remember the details. It's quite a long time ago. She's been widowed for most of the time I've known her, to be honest. Well,
1: she seems to be doing very well for herself. I think we can all appreciate that. I'm looking forward to seeing your church. I had a brief turn
0: around the graveyard. Ah. Very, very old, isn't it? Ah, yes. And you see his face fall again. Can you give me a psychology roll, please?
1: Hmm, intriguing. That's a failure. 53 against 25.
0: (laughs) This is going to be entertaining if you get a 50-50 split on rolls tonight. It's going to be another
1: one of the nights,
0: isn't it? (laughs) You suspect that he's hoping you don't mention... His wife's grave.
1: I don't think Janitra would. She's clearly a kind-hearted person and he's still not over it. So that's understandable, really. She kind of wishes she hadn't mentioned the graveyard at all, but then it is right there outside the house and he is kind of used to it and he is a curate after all. He sees it every day. But she won't dwell on it. She probably turns the conversation to some completely innocuous subject like the weather.
0: Oh, yes. The standard fallback position for any British conversation, if you don't know what else to say. Terribly,
1: terribly British.
0: And you chat quite merrily about the weather conditions. Oh, yes. The Reverend talks to you basically about how it's the weather and the harvest and how it's affected it and how he's concerned about certain of his parishioners. If the weather turns and there's a bad harvest... Until Eleanor basically goes, <clears throat> Henry, I'm sure Miss Chatterjee is ready to go and see the church now.
1: Oh, yes, I am very much looking forward to it.
0: The reverend seems slightly startled by the interruptions. Oh, yes, of course, yes. If you'll allow me to get my coat and walking cane, I will meet you in the vestibule in a few moments, Miss Chatterjee. Of course, I shall fetch my bonnet. And she does. And she does. Is there anything else she'd like to do while she's fetching her bonnet? I don't think so.
1: I don't think there's anything she would need to say to Eleanor. Everybody knows where she's going, and it's just going to be a perfectly innocent little walk. Although she does wonder if she's being a little bit daring in not going out with a chaperone in the afternoon. My word.
0: It's fast. Yes remarkably so although he is a vicar he is a vicar
1: everything will be perfectly above board i'm certain
0: although there were obviously the rumours about the unseemly haste with which he married his former wife mm. and also the fact that they courted scandal by sneaking off without chaperone
1: oh this is very true perhaps she should ask eleanor to come with that's up to you yes she doubles back into wherever it is that Eleanor is. And uh, Eleanor, my dear, perhaps you'd like to come for a walk as well. I should so like to uh, see your village, your vicarage, the way that you see it.
0: Eleanor smiles and said, "Um, that would be proper, wouldn't it? Henry is a vicar. His reputation is beyond reproach. But you're quite correct. In a small village like this, tongues do wag particularly those of Miss Cooper and Miss Shibden. You're quite right, my dear, you're quite right. I should indeed accompany you, even if it is to church. I'm so glad we understand each other, my dear. Have no fear, Miss Chatterjee. I think we understand each other perfectly. She's very glad
1: she has Eleanor.
0: So she comes with you into the vestibule, she gets her bonnet and her helise and you head out with the Reverend Mortimer back to the church. Like you said, it's not very far away. Now, it's a small Norman church and, as we've already established, the graveyard next to it is very well maintained, in quite a contrast to actually the vicarage's own garden, which stands next door. At one end of the building stands a square tower, which just can be seen above the taller oak trees in the churchyard. As you head towards it, you see an elderly parishioner limping up the road towards the three of you. One of your flock, Reverend? Yes, oh, it's Mr Anderson, the uh, sexton. I wonder what on earth he could want. He works so hard. This is such
1: a wonderfully well-kept building.
0: Uh, I should love to meet him. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Hello, Mr Anderson, Um, how can we be of service? And the old man comes towards you. Oh, Vicar, glad to catch you. I need to have a word with you and Miss Eleanor about... Uh, services and the cleaning rotor in the church and the um the burial for old wilkinson next week I don't suppose i could borrow you for a few minutes could i vicar oh please please do go ahead don't mind me at all oh oh sorry miss begging your pardon anderson's the name sexton oh um Begging your pardon. And he gets all flustered and starts wringing his hands together because he's just introduced himself to someone he doesn't know.
1: (laughs) She's kind of surprised that the Reverend didn't introduce her, but she just kind of nods and says, how do you do, Mr. Anderson? I'm guessing women didn't
0: offer to shake hands in this period. No. No, I don't think so. Particularly not with members of the lower classes that dig graves. (laughs) Eleanor suddenly seems to realise, Henry, really, where are your manners? Mr. Anderson, this is our house guest, Miss Chatterjee. She's here for the weekend. We were just about to give her a tour of the church, but of course if you need to speak to us, we'll be more than happy to. Janitra, um... my dear, would you care to have a look round inside while we uh, chat to Mr. Anderson?
1: Of course. I shall see you in there presently.
0: Yes, um, it's not very large, but by all means do have a look round. Its beauty is in its simplicity, I think. Hmm.
1: And Saint Sidney.
0: Yes. Does
1: that ring any bells? Is Sidney a saint that Janitra is familiar with? Give me a religion roll. Okay. Hard success, 15 (laughs) against 30. That's my one good roll for the entire scenario. Of course. Got it out of the way
0: on some (laughs) historical trivia. As far as you can remember, he was a... Celtic saint mostly known in cornwall and brittany which is very odd to find him here in hampshire of course it's not too far away you believe he's usually invoked for help against rabies help against rabies wow yes okay
1: yes that's a good one isn't it yes it's um very strange hmm rabies Of course, this suggests that
0: there was once rabies in Cornwall, I guess. Well, I mean, given the smuggling and things that go off in Cornwall and animals coming over from the continent, yes, it's entirely probable. Oh, yes.
1: That's a sequel hook, isn't it? A scenario hook. I couldn't possibly comment. And Janitra has a little wander around. She has a look at the stained glass, if there is any. If there isn't, maybe there's some icons or something.
0: No, I mean... As Eleanor said, it is very simple inside. The walls are plain and whitewashed and they gleam beautifully in the sun that's pouring through the clear glass windows. There's no stained glass here. And the pews are just simple wooden ones that line either side of the aisle. The altar is very simple. There's a very simple altar cloth, a very plain cross standing on it, two large white church candles, and a board displaying the hymn numbers. Now, because of your hard success on that (laughs) roll, I'm going to give you this information because I'm not going to make you roll it again. That would be... (laughs) We're not going to get that success twice. (laughs) That would be cruel. That would be cruel. (laughs) And hard successes deserve rewards. So, as you're looking around, you're not really thinking too much about it because you're kind of more pondering the fact that St. Sidney is invoked for protection against rabies. And it dawns on you that the choice of hymns is slightly strange. In fact, if you want, you can actually consult a hymn book to confirm your suspicions.
1: Yes, I think she will. I think she'll pick up a hymn book from the nearest pew and start leafing through it.
0: Yes, it's as you suspected. Those are all Easter hymns, not harvest ones.
1: This is very odd indeed. She doesn't know what on earth to make of that. The liturgical calendar is about six months behind. I know we're in Habershire, but still, you want to keep up with the times in terms of what festivals we're celebrating here. She's very puzzled. And rightly so. Could you give me another spot hidden roll, please? Okay. Ah, of course, it's another failure of 85 against 60.
0: It takes you a while to notice it, but there's a distinct smell on the air. Near where you're standing, it's possibly because you're slightly in the nave still, having gone to consult a hymn book, but there's a smell of decay. You're used to a slightly damp, mouldy smell in old churches, particularly churches as old as this. But yes, there's something more, something unhealthy. Is it
1: coming from any particular direction?
0: You think it's coming from the vestry.
1: Well... Maybe a mouse has died or something. Maybe there's a cat that's brought in a present or something. Maybe she should just go and have a quick look and uh, get rid of it if it is. Yes. So she follows the
0: smell towards the vestry. You open the vestry door. The smell is definitely stronger in here. But what's most noticeable is that there is a door in the side wall that is also ajar with a key
1: in the lock. Can't resist a temptation like that. You can't give me a key with a lock in a door and expect me not to open it. Of course she's going to have a look. Go to see if the smell is any stronger there. There's something potentially a bit wrong here. So yes, let's, let's have a look. Oh, it's
0: definitely stronger by the door. How intriguing. You push the door open and you can see steps leading downwards. Perhaps it's a crypt. There's a very good chance, which means you're probably going to need to go and get a candle.
1: She'll pop back and find a candle and some means of lighting it and
0: bring it down with her. Obviously, they have candles in here, so it's not too difficult to find one. You manage to light one reasonably easily and you head down the stairs. You feel the air growing chill as you head down there. And the smell definitely gets stronger the more you head down the stairs and relatively short flight but you've definitely headed down to a depth beneath the church and there's a very low doorway slightly lower than you would have expected actually and you have to crouch slightly to get through it your assumptions were completely correct it is indeed a crypt the candlelight throws strange grotesque shadows over the walls the contents of numerous coffins appear to have been scattered all over the floor, their corpses disgorged onto the stone flags. Higgledy-piggledy. By the looks of things, some of them are no longer whole. Bits seem to be missing. And you can see a rusty saw caked in gore, leaning against one of the coffins. Could you give me a sanity roll, please?
1: Oh, I absolutely can! Uh, Of course, that's
0: a failure of 50 against 49. You could spend a point of luck to turn it into a success if you really want to. (laughs)
1: Yes. Do you know I think I ought to at this point? I really ought to.
0: Yes, I'll do that. Okay. so it's still one point of sanity loss. That's not what you were expecting to find, but it does explain the smell. Do you wish to take a further look or would you care to leave... Janitra is
1: absolutely shocked. She's appalled. Who would do this? What a terrible thing. Disturb the rest of the dead like this. And why? Body snatchers? You hear of such awful things happening in cities, but not in a place like this. This is dreadful. The vicar will want to know all about this, and presumably so will Squire Goodwin as the local lord. They must be informed. But... She can't go running away just like that without finding out exactly what's happened here. So she does take Candle and, and look a bit closer. As well, she's doing so, can you give me a no roll, please? Oh, this dice bot really does hate
0: me. 91 against 75. I mean, you mentioned body snatching there. I mean, I suppose it could be, couldn't it? It really could.
1: Yes, r- resurrection men, as they call mm. them terrible thing
0: yes it's absolutely horrendous thought that something like that could happen here in such a picturesque village in such a picturesque church absolutely
1: but then she remembers dr beamish she didn't like him at all maybe that's why she doesn't like him maybe it was intuition that there's something he has been doing because who else would do this other than a medical man
0: that's very true, actually. And the rumours were that he did have to leave London for unsavoury and or unethical medical practices. Absolutely. You knew he was a un He was absolutely a un. As Miss Chatterjee has more of a look around, you can see that, yes, a lot of the coffins down here have been opened. The bodies have been dismembered with the saw by the looks of things. Although there are other marks that you can't quite work out, it seems as if the freshest corpses are the ones that have been sawn into, although most of the coffins have been examined for their contents. Well,
1: she's just very thankful that Mrs Mortimer, the late Mrs Mortimer, is not buried down here and is out there in a tomb in the graveyard where people would see if it was disturbed. But I wonder who these people are, she thinks to herself, and and tries to look at the coffins to see if there's any kind of plaque on them. Is there like any kind of brass plate screwed onto them to see their names? So they're quite recent, did you say, the ones that have been sawed?
0: Yes, it seems to be the more recent ones, yes. The names don't really mean anything to you. There's Hubert Farringdon, Eliza Farringdon, there's a Goodwin, and there seem to be other names that you suspect are possibly members of the local gentry. That makes it even
1: worse somehow, that it's the gentry. And Goodwin, she's heard that name before because he's the local squire, makes it even worse that it's not quite the Todd, but getting towards it isn't it who've been mutilated in this way
0: give me an intelligence role as well
1: of course a hard success of 17 against 55
0: now you think about it the name Farringdon is familiar as well Hubert Farringdon was Charlotte Mortimer's father and Eliza was her mother
1: oh no The Reverend is not going to be happy, is he, when he hears about this? No, he is not. Oh dear, this is going to need some careful handling. She's going to have to talk to Eleanor about it, or maybe even if she could get Mr. Anderson the Sexton away quietly to just find out who's been here lately. You can't just drop this kind of information on the poor Reverend. He'll be absolutely appalled. And it reflects badly on him as well. This is his church. They need information. They're going to need to solve this before taking it to the authorities. Exactly. What does Miss Chatterjee do? Backs away and goes back upstairs and tries to peek out of a window to see if they're still talking to the sexton or if Mr. Anderson is headed back off to do whatever he does in the graveyard.
0: You can see three of them over in a particular corner of the graveyard. From the way Mr. Anderson is gesticulating, you're assuming they're discussing where the grave for Old Wilkinson, whoever that happens to be, is going to be located.
1: Since she's in here, she might as well have a look around the vestry to see if there's anything else about any record of who has keys to this place.
0: Give me a spot hidden roll then, please.
1: A hard success of 13 against 60. Has the curse been broken? Is all they needed to do? Lose some sand. You never know with this dice roller.
0: (laughs) You have a good look around and there are record books. There's a list of hymns that have been sung. There's the liturgical calendar with various different things marked off on it in the diary. Um, There... Here's a list of keys and as far as you can tell, the only people who have them are the Reverend Mortimer, Mr Anderson, the Sexton, and there is supposed to be a spare key on a hook somewhere in here. You're assuming it's probably the one in the door.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. She was going to go looking for a spare hook to see if that was the key. But yeah, it would seem it would have to be really, wouldn't it, logically? Well, somebody has been in here, but why did they leave the key in the lock? And then the horrible thought occurs to her, maybe they're coming back. Oh, goodness. So she rushes back into the main body of the church and sits in a pew and folds her hands and looks like she's just sitting there in quiet prayer.
0: About five minutes later, you hear footsteps multiple footsteps, and you hear the Reverend Mortimer, Eleanor, and Mr. Anderson chatting as they come into the church.
1: She just is murmuring under her breath, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Oh, Reverend. Hello. Miss Chatterjee. What a lovely church you have here. So, so very simple and Strong and classic. Norman, you said? Yes. Very old.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, from the time not too long after the conquest. Firmly rooted in the soil. A wonderful, simple place for prayer and reflection.
1: Very much so. Very much so. The, the hymns, they're
0: traditionally sung at Easter, are they not?
1: Are, are they favourites of yours?
0: You see his face all again. They were favourites of Charlotte's. She used to help me choose the hymns every Sunday. Forgive me. I didn't realise which ones I'd chosen. They just said they were always her favourites. Yes. And he looks really rather flustered. Can you give me a psychology role, please? I can. 26 against 25, I think
1: that demands a luck spend, doesn't it? I think
0: it does. It (laughs) really does.
1: Okay, just
0: the one as a treat. It's odd. It's not sorrow as you first thought. Guilt? Guilt? Yes.
1: Well, I suppose guilt is maybe quite natural he's moving on with his life he's speaking to her he's uh, invited her to see the church he's got house guests perhaps he's just questioning himself a bit maybe that's understandable yes but she'll just try to look very understanding and say i I, i'm so sorry reverend i didn't mean to distress you Please, please forgive me
0: oh there's there's nothing to forgive miss chatterjee You're quite right. It is a strange selection of hymns for this time of year, but there is nothing to forgive. And you see his sister basically take his arm and just pat it gently and affectionately.
1: Is uh, your business with Mr Anderson concluded? I'm sure he must have so much to do. This must be a lot of work for just one old gentleman.
0: Aye, that it is, miss. None the worse for it, he says. And smiles. I think that's just about it, Vicar, if you don't mind. I'll let you get on showing your guest round.
1: Thank you, Mr. Anderson.
0: And he makes his excuses
1: and and leaves. Janitra's going to want to get Eleanor on her own, definitely. Needs to tell her what she's found down there in the vestry. And maybe they need to get out of this church altogether before whoever it is comes back. Ah, Eleanor, perhaps we should take another turn around outside. I'm sure that the good reverend has work
0: to do if there's a funeral coming soon. Oh, yes, if you don't mind. Is there anything that you would like me to show you about the church? Is there anything that you would like to know?
1: Oh, actually, the tower. I would love to see the vista from the tower. Perhaps Eleanor and I could go up there. And there. Is, is it
0: safe to climb the stairs? Oh, I'm a, I'm afraid that it's just a ladder up to the bell loft. The ropes are just over there, as you can see, behind that. Oh, no, of course the curtain's in the way. And he wanders over and pulls the curtain so that you can see. I'm not sure that the ladder's really quite secure enough for you ladies. It's really only used by Mr Anderson for maintenance, as required. Oh, well,
1: not to worry. Just a passing fancy.
0: I can quite understand, yes. Say... Winchester Cathedral, magnificent views from the top of its tower, I'm afraid. We are nothing compared to Winchester. Well,
1: perhaps one day you can show me round Winchester Cathedral, Reverend. Yes. And she's immediately planning wedding venues in her head, (laughs) and Winchester Cathedral is high on that list now.
0: Yes, of, of course, yes. Well, if you will excuse me, I'll go and see to, yes, the the funeral arrangements yes I'll see you back at the vicarage later
1: until then and as soon as he's out of earshot Janitra will grab Eleanor's arm and speak very urgently
0: Eleanor who else has been in this church today I don't really know is there any particular reason for you asking yes there's
1: something terribly wrong the doctor Dr Beamish does he ever come here
0: not very often he's not a particularly God-fearing man the brute the crypt
1: I could smell something so I went into the vestry and down the stairs into the crypt it's been disturbed the family there the good people of the village Mrs Mortimer the late Mrs Mortimer's family their bodies have been mutilated Their, their coffins broken open it's a terrible thing We have to find out who did it, Eleanor, and we have to tell the Reverend, but I just don't want to upset him. We need to find out who did it before we go to him.
0: You see her face go really stony. And can you give me a psychology roll, please?
1: I can. (laughs) The balance of Janitra's mind is disturbed with a fumble of a hundred.
0: I had a fumble last time as well, didn't I? You did. They say this dice roll is a proper drama queen. Mm Mm-hmm. You are utterly convinced that she's only just managing to control her anger. As is only right and proper, the defilement of someone's corpse after death is a very serious matter indeed. And she grips your hand and looks you straight in the eye. Miss Chatterjee, I urge you to say nothing to anyone Please, return to the vicarage immediately. I will go and speak to my brother about this matter. But for your own safety, say nothing. You, you think Dr Beamish might seek to harm me? I wouldn't put anything past Dr Beamish, to be completely honest. Oh, are you certain,
1: my dear? You wouldn't like some company? I'll, I'll go if you think that's what's best.
0: But Alright, I will see you back at the vicarage then. Thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. And you're quite right to confide in me. It's really only I who can speak to Henry about this. The fact that this is Charlotte's family, it's just... It's monstrous, positively monstrous. It
1: is monstrous, you're quite right. Perfect word for it. All right.
0: Please forgive me while I speak to Henry about this, but... Be careful.
1: I will. I will. I will go straight to my room... And I I, I won't move from there until I hear you return. That's an excellent idea. And off she goes, looking around her as she walks, making sure that she's not followed.
0: As far as you can tell, there is no one else around. You can hear the sounds of digging. You're assuming that's Mr. Anderson digging the grave for next week's funeral. (laughs) But other than that, nothing at all. And you make it back to the vicarage and up to your room with no incident.
1: Somebody's making a frank and charlotte, aren't they? (laughs) Somebody is absolutely making a frank and charlotte. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, she, she goes up to her room and kind of paces back and forth a bit and wonders what terrible things she's stumbled over. This is absolutely dreadful. And she wonders how and when... Squire Goodwin should be informed because he, of course, is related to the late Miss Mortimer and he's going to take this dreadfully and he's going to need careful handling.
0: He is indeed. You're quite right. And you wait. And time passes so slowly. It's been quite an emotional day. Is there anything that you'd like to do while you wait for Eleanor's return? Well,
1: I know she said that she was going to stay in her room, but she's just too restless, really. I think she's going to go downstairs to the drawing room and kind of potter about there a little bit. She can't really settle, so she goes to the library and has a poke around in the library to see if there's any books that take her fancy. And then I think she rings for the housekeeper and asks for a pot of tea because that would set her right.
0: So you go to the drawing room, and it's as you remember it from last night, still undusted. The pianoforte sits forlornly in the corner. Then you head to the library. Can you give me a look roll, please? Okay. A hard success of 21. door. Well, the door's unlocked. So to... of leather-bound volumes in a variety of classical languages. Now on the desk you can see there are various scattered bits of paperwork and this room as opposed to in the dining room seems to be in a much better condition. It's not dusty in here, um, it's very comfortable, it seems to be well used but also what which is in marked contrast to the rest of the house
1: how very puzzling she'll definitely have to ask eleanor to have a good old talk with the servants is there anything on botany on the shelves give okay what have i got for library use just 20 not brilliant and of course, it's another failure of 64 against 20. We could be
0: here sometimes. You appear to be in Latin, um, from what rudimentary Latin your governess to drill into you. Um, something from the table. we please?
1: I can. It's some kind of receipt or ticket. And it's William Clegg and Sons Osler and Chaise hire at the sign of the drum, Petersfield. Carriage to Portsmouth Harbour, one pound five shillings, departing eleven PM september nineteenth, eighteen twelve. Turnpike fees six shillings and two pence. Unsociable hours a pound. And second rider ten shillings. What's the date again today? It's September We're in the 19th, September. 1812. Today. Oh, somebody is going to leave the house today. That's odd. Surely Eleanor would have mentioned if her brother was going to be leaving. He wouldn't leave them alone in the house, and certainly Eleanor herself wouldn't go. Portsmouth Harbour. And going on the turnpike, somebody's in a hurry, aren't they? Unsociable hours, leaving so late at night. Question for the period: Second rider, is that like somebody riding up on the box, like to help with the I'm luggage? Assuming so, the security? yes. It's no, not like it, an extra passenger to
0: help with the.
1: Okay, that's very mysterious. She wishes she knew what was going on. She's beginning to feel very isolated here and everything is very puzzling and she doesn't know
0: what's happening. Is she continuing to look round the library?
1: Yes, I think so. She absolutely is going to be looking around the library. Her, her curiosity has really peaked at this point.
0: You continue to look round. And as you do so, you're, you're still presumably searching for books on botany that you can recognise. When you open a book, it appears to be in Greek, and you find a piece of paper that seems to be marking one passage. And although you can't make head nor tails of the book itself, you can read what's on the note. And what is on the note? It seems to be some sort of story about someone called Artios. A Greek hermit who wandered across Europe, according to this, in the 13th century. Not much of a hermit, you'd think, if he was wandering out and about. But it's about a village that he came across whilst travelling through the Balkans. A young man was afflicted with a horrible disease, and the wise woman of the man's village performed some sort of ritual of cleansing in which she transferred the disease to a willing host, It was an old man who died shortly thereafter. How intriguing. Does it say what this ritual was? Something to do with the moon and an appeal to a goddess. And something about how the person who was healed would then later in life become a willing host for someone else's disease.
1: Goodness. Well, it's a terrible story. Fascinating story, but what a terrible thing to transfer your illness onto somebody else! That's not at all how things are supposed to work. Is there anything else in the book? Any pictures? She's going to leaf through it to see if there's any pictures of this this strange flower. She can't get it out of her head, the flower that was on the journal page that she found in the dressing table.
0: Give me another library use roll. Okay. Oh, another failure of 52 against 20. There are things that almost look like it, but not exactly like it. There's very strange things happening
1: in this village. Poor Mrs Mortimer with her illness that nobody could diagnose. And now her family, their bodies being mutilated like that. This is not a good place. Something needs to be done about this. And this very unwholesome story, my word. And she wonders if Reverend Mortimer was driven to believing in this kind of story. Who wouldn't when somebody they love is being taken from them? Looking to get those feelings out, looking in terrible stories and trying to find alternative means of healing the one they love but surely nothing like this. Surely not. He's a good man, a good Christian man.
0: And the fact that his wife died suggests that even if he did attempt it, it presumably didn't work. Absolutely.
1: It's just a story,
0: that's all it is. Yes, it's a it's a rather ghoulish one, but yes, it is indeed just a story.
1: And with nothing else in the library taking her fancy, she goes back upstairs and back into her room, and
0: wait some more, I think. Shortly after you return to your room, you hear the front door open and close. You hear footsteps on the stairs, and a knock at your door. Eleanor? Yes, it's me, Genitra. Oh, come in, my dear. How are you feeling? Oh, a, a little
1: disturbed, if if I don't mind selling you. It's... what a
0: terrible thing to happen. H- how was your brother? How did he take it? Not well, I'm afraid. He was. He was as angry as I've ever seen him, and so upset as well. It's just the desecration. I don't blame him. It's dreadful. So,
1: how are we going to find out who did it? I know that there aren't that many keys available, just that one spare key that was left there. On a hook in the vestry, and whoever it was must have used that one to get in, although I suppose it could have been Mr. Anderson the Sexton, but but
0: why? Why would he do that? Oh no, it's not Mr. Anderson. He would never do anything like that. He's a thoroughly respectable man.
1: I think we're going to have to bring it to the attention of the squire, although he'll be
0: very upset as well, I'm certain. Well, as local magistrate, yes, he is the person we would need to inform. But you mustn't worry yourself about this, Genitra. Henry will take care of all of it. I should like to see
1: this through, and it must be so distressing for him. I I I should like to support him however I can. Maybe I could write to the squire?
0: As relatives, I think it would become better from Henry or myself than you... You haven't met the squire yet. It would be most improper for you to write to him, having not been introduced.
1: This is very true. The proprietaries must be respected, even in a time of criminal activity. You're you're quite
0: right. Yes, I'm so sorry to, to point that out. I completely understand why you would have forgotten such decorum, given the horrific nature of what Henry tells me was down there. I fear I'm not quite myself today. No, no... Shall we retire to the drawing room for a cup of tea? I'm, I'm sure that will make you feel so much better.
1: Yes, absolutely. That, that, that will always bring matters back into perspective,
0: won't it? Yes, it will. And she takes you by the arm, leads you down to the drawing room, rings for Mrs Phillips, who appears, takes the order for tea, and then comes back about ten minutes later with a teapot and fine china and some cakes that Cook has made. You sit in the drawing room with Eleanor, sipping tea, nibbling on a slice of cake. The
1: mystery deepens, and I have no idea how to solve it. You're quite right.
0: This is a very strange, deep, unsettling mystery that you found yourself in the middle of. You came down to Hampshire, expecting a pleasant weekend with your friend and her brother, in the hopes of a proposal. And now you've had your host crying out in the night, begging for forgiveness from his dead wife. You've the mystery of the lack of flowers on her grave. The absolute shocking discovery of these mutilated corpses in the crypt beneath the church. This is not at all the weekend you were expecting. Not at all.
1: And also what's so mysterious is just the general lack of care that the servants are taking. And maybe for a Regency gentlewoman,
0: that's the most disturbing thing of all. Yes, the shocking breakdown of housekeeping here is, is quite marked. If the Reverend Mortimer were just a bachelor living here on his own, it might be explainable, if not acceptable. But the fact that Eleanor is still here although again granted she has been in Brighton for the season perhaps it is just that he's allowed things to slide while his sister's been away. Perhaps hmm. it is just that Eleanor really hasn't had the time to deal with the servants and get them to book their ideas up. Perhaps she's grown oblivious to it herself. Perhaps both of them are just so lost in their grief whilst maintaining a normal public face that They just haven't been able to deal with matters so mundane and, in the grand scheme of things, unimportant as making sure the drawing room's been dusted. Hmm. Could be. But the appearances do have to be kept up.
1: Wouldn't want bad things being said about the family in the town, after all.
0: This is very true. You can see you're going to have your work cut out for you.
1: Yes, and I think once the housekeeper has left and it's just the two of them, she's going to lean forwards and just a little word to the wise, my dear. I do hope you won't mind me saying this, but I wonder if you're having trouble getting good help. I'm not quite sure I understand. Well, it must be a lot of work, of course, to keep up a vicarage to the standards that one would expect Perhaps it's time to hire a, an extra housemaid. Oh, do you mean the drawing room? It is a little under what one would expect. And it's not your fault and it's not the Reverend's fault and I'm sure it's not even Mrs Phillips's fault. As I said, there's so much work to be done, but appearances should be kept up for such a pillar of the community as your brother, don't you think? And it is difficult to find good servantry sometimes. I, I do completely understand.
0: Well, yes. Yes, it certainly can be, but I suppose we haven't really used that room since Charlotte died. It's been locked, really, up until this weekend. Henry and she spent so many happy hours in there with her playing the pianoforte. After her death, he, he just locked the door and forbade the servants to enter it. It's only really this weekend I hadn't... Forgive me, please. I hadn't noticed that it hadn't been properly cleaned. You're quite right. I should have a word with Mrs Phillips about it.
1: Oh, I I do understand. And I'm so sorry if I've crossed a line there. But,
0: yes, it must be terribly sad. No, you were quite right to bring it to my attention. My dear Janitra, you're quite right. It's just... It's been so odd being back here having spent such a wonderful season in Brighton. I know I popped back occasionally to make sure Henry was managing, but not for very long. Yes, I suppose I, I may be guilty of turning a blind eye to to what was really going on here with Henry's mental state and the state of the house. It's I do apologise for... This isn't... It really isn't good enough. I do apologise for bringing you here under these circumstances. Oh, no apology
1: necessary, my dear, but... I should so like to help you make this house live again and make Henry happy again.
0: She smiles at you and takes your hand and squeezes it. Thank you so much for making such a kind and generous offer. My dear Janitra, you have no idea how much that means to me. To both of us, really.
1: If I can be of any assistance at all, you do know you need only ask. I do. So, what's to be done then? Not about the dust, about the corpses, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue.
0: That was marvellous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> uh,
0: sorry. <laughs> no, no, that was absolutely beautiful. I love that. Um, she looks at you and pulls her hand back and straightens... Henry will mention it to Squire Goodwin when he comes for dinner this evening.
1: Ah, he's coming to dinner?
0: Oh, yes, I'm in the shock of your discovery. I completely forgot to mention. Yes, Squire Goodwin is coming for dinner this evening.
1: Well, I shall look forward to meeting him then. He's the magistrate, you say, and he was De Charlotte's uncle?
0: yes. Very fond of his niece. She spent so much time at Osney Grange Manor, the actual Grange, while she was alive when she was younger. That's how she met Henry, was at a ball there. How romantic. Oh yes, very much so. The Grange is a beautiful building. Hopefully we'll be able to visit the squire there. Yes, he's going to be most distressed by this news. But I'm I'm sure Henry will handle it with tact and diplomacy once the squire arrives. Yes. Potentially after dinner, when the gentlemen withdraw. I would have thought it's not really something one wants to discuss before dinner.
1: No, certainly not. Not by the look of those bodies. Try not to think about it, my dear. Uh, Well, it's difficult not to, really. I never would
0: have thought that anything like that could happen here. No. It's quite shocking certainly not what one expects in such a peaceful and beautiful village as this.
1: Absolutely not. Well, I,
0: perhaps I should go and dress for dinner? Yes, I believe the squire is due a little earlier, so we may make formal introductions. Well, definitely
1: a gentleman. I shall look forwards to meeting.
0: I'm sure he will enjoy meeting you too, my dear. If there's anything you need, please call And either myself or Mrs Phillips will get it for you. Thank
1: you. I think I would enjoy a hot bath to warm myself up and get rid of the cobwebs from the mind after seeing such a horrible sight today. Perhaps you could ask maids to bring up a bath.
0: Yes, of course. I'll ask Mrs Phillips to take care of that for you. Thank you, dear. And in due course, a copper bath... And pails of hot water are brought to your room so that you may get yourself thoroughly scrubbed clean for the evening's proceedings.
1: She can still smell that horrible smell of rotting corpses. And so I think she's taking big breaths of lovely lavender and rose scented bath water just to try
0: and drive it out. Definitely. So feeling pink and scrubbed and fresh... Mrs Phillips helps you get ready for dinner. Is there anything else in particular that you'd like to do before you head down to meet Squire Goodwin? No,
1: I, I don't think so. I guess I could ask her about Dr Beamish and about Squire Goodwin, but she's a servant and she's not likely to break a confidence or to speak out of turn. So that would probably be a fool's errand, I think.
0: In that case, you head down to the drawing room which has been given a bit of a dust, you notice.
1: That's good.
0: And Eleanor is there waiting for you. She greets you happily, compliments you on your appearance. Reverend Mortimer joins you slightly afterwards and then drops something of a bombshell. Uh, it's, um, Eleanor, uh, Miss Chatterjee, um, I've invited uh, another guest for dinner this evening. Well, I'd say invited, he more invited himself.
1: Oh, well, the more the merrier, of course. We shall have a
0: pleasant little party. Now, Eleanor, promise me that you won't react when I tell you who it is. And Eleanor's face (laughs) go, that very familiar stony expression, and she sort of (laughs) hisses, not Dr Beamish. I'm sorry, my dear, I couldn't say no. You know what he's like.
1: Dr. Beamish? Reverend, are you certain Dr. Beamish is is appropriate company? I'm sorry, I don't like to say it, but the way he looked at Eleanor and I last night, it was ungentlemanly.
0: I know that the village doesn't like him, hasn't taken to him, and I know that some of my parishioners say some truly terrible things about him, but he was most kind and considerate and did everything everything within his power to help my poor dear Charlotte in her final weeks and days. I am obligated to him for his services in that respect, and I'm afraid in this area I am unable to refuse his request to join us for dinner this evening, partly in my role as vicar, partly through my obligation for his kindness and support during my dear late wife's illness. It is unfortunate. He is most definitely an acquired taste. I, I am aware of that, but I assure you he is a gentleman.
1: Well, of course, if you truly believe the best of him, then I suppose there must be some good in him. Eleanor and I will amuse ourselves, won't we, my dear? There'll be no improprietary behaviour from him, I hope.
0: No, no. I'm sure he will be a polite, if attentive, house guest.
1: And she gives Eleanor a supportive little smile, but with a kind of slight eye roll. We're going to have to watch out for each other when the creepy guy
0: is around, aren't we? Eleanor's sort of glance just flicks across to you, so you know she's seen it, but she just doesn't move at all.
1: Well, Eleanor shall be... Shall we go and make ourselves comfortable and prepare for the evening?
0: And as you say that, there is a knock at the door. You hear Mrs Phillips answer it. Oh, it's quite a good win. Mrs Phillips, it's lovely to see you again, my dear.
1: Janitra gives a big smile and waits to be introduced. She curtsies as well.
0: So in the doorway for the drawing room, there is an elderly gentleman, you'd say probably about 70, He has a very careworn face, although his frame is particularly robust, you assume from all this healthy country living. He's dressed in a very old-fashioned manner and in fact is still wearing a powdered wig, which looks slightly comical. There's just... I don't know. There's just a comforting solidity about him, shall we say. He's old school. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe he reminds her of... A father or an uncle or a grandfather or some kind of gentlemanly older relative. Quite possibly. I think she instinctively probably likes him, even though she doesn't know him yet.
0: Henry, my boy, Eleanor, my dear. And who is this charming young lady that I see before me? And Henry does the introductions. Squire Goodwin, this is Miss Janitra Chatterjee a good friend of Eleanor's, they met at Brighton this year and Miss Chatterjee very kindly agreed to accompany Eleanor back to the Grange for the weekend now that the season has ended. How do you
1: do, Squire Goodwin?
0: Most pleased to make your acquaintance, my dear. He says and again sort of bows at you but doesn't attempt to take your hand or kiss it or anything like that. Very old-fashioned, very formal. I hear
1: that you're the local magistrate.
0: That I am, my dear. Far more years than anyone should rightfully do something so silly as this, but someone's got to do it, you know?
1: (laughs) Of course. Well, I'm sure you're a pillar of the community, sir.
0: One does one's best, Miss Chatterjee. One does one's best.
1: Yeah, she likes him, I think. He seems very pleasant. And I think instinctively she feels that he's going to be able to deal with this terrible thing that she found in the crypt. And she hopes that she can be involved in that conversation, even though it's not something that would normally be expected of a house guest or a lady. She doesn't want to let this drop. She wants to see this through.
0: And she wants to be there for Henry and for Eleanor. And Henry basically offers everyone a small glass of sherry while you're waiting. And you're just about to start making polite conversation with Squire Goodwin when there is a resounding knocking at the door and whoever it is doesn't even wait for it to be answered by Mrs Phillips. They just let themselves in.
1: The horror.
0: And, yes, it is the uh, rather corpulent gentleman that you saw last night, Dr Beamish.
1: Dr Beamish, how do you do? Very cool, polite, slightly standoffish.
0: This really rather oily grin fixes itself to his face when he sees you. Well, I say, Henry's done rather well for himself with his choice of dinner guests this evening. Top marks Henry. Ew. (laughs) Oh, he is a creepy guy. Yeah, you could see Eleanor's just, Positively vibrating. <laughs> Don't suppose we can encourage you to uh, play as a tune on that piano forte, my dear? Liven the evening up a little?
1: Oh, I, I wouldn't dream of stealing the spotlight.
0: Can you give me a psychology roll, please?
1: Mm-hmm. She remembers this for Charlotte's piano forte.
0: In that case, I'm going to give you a bonus die as well.
1: Well, I'm going to need that because that was a failure of 91. <laughs> So let's try again. No, still a failure. That takes it down to 55, but still too much to really spend the luck on, I think.
0: Definitely. You feel the temperature in the room drop by several degrees. And you, even though you don't see anyone react to what he said, you get the distinct impression that he's just doing it to get a rise out of someone. And you don't know whether that's the squire. You don't know whether that's Eleanor. But it really does strike you as a most improper comment coming from, you know, a doctor and someone who is meant to be possibly not a friend of the reverend's, but at least a close acquaintance of his.
1: Yes, this is definitely beyond rude and into quite cruel Janitra thinks, because she remembers that Charlotte was very musical and the room had been locked up, nobody's been using it and certainly nobody's been playing the piano. And so I think she just gives Dr. Beamish a slightly cold look that says, I know what you're up to. I know your type. And just don't try it.
0: Rather disconcertingly, he just smiles back at you. We're slightly early at this point, I think, for Alice in Wonderland and the Cheshire Cat, but should the Cheshire Cat have existed at this point in time, that's the kind of grin he's giving you.
1: (laughs) This was the inspiration, clearly. Quite possibly. She doesn't like this. She does not like this at all. He is ungentlemanly and he is a brute and he's rude and he's just plain cruel. In Janitra's world, this kind of person doesn't exist. I don't think she's really met anybody like this before and she doesn't quite know how to handle it. So she just goes and sits back down next to Eleanor and maybe just, like, presses her hand slightly, hidden by the spread of her
0: skirts. You feel Eleanor gently squeeze your hand back in recognition of your support. Thankfully... It's not too long after that, before the gong rings for dinner. Although the conversation before then is somewhat strained. The Reverend is trying to make light conversation. Everything that Dr Beamish says seems to have some sort of hidden meaning behind it, but you've got no idea what. Squire Goodwin just looks uncomfortable being here and this fellow's presence which is in marked difference to how he was before he arrived. And, yes, it just looks like this isn't quite going to turn out to be the evening you'd hoped for, really. It's not really
1: conducive to a proposal, is it?
0: No, you suspect possibly not. Still, this tomorrow. There is.
1: She kind of hopes that maybe that receipt for the carriage to Portsmouth was for Dr Beamish and that he will be far away, maybe on a ship by this time tomorrow, and she won't have to see him again.
0: Hmm. And you're thinking this as you walk out into the hallway to move to the dining room. Could you give me a spot-hidden roll, please? I can, indeed. A success, 31 against 60. Regular success. You know how these things happen. You're thinking about something, and then that thing either happens or you see something related to it. And as you're thinking about, well, I really hope that this carriage is to take Dr. Beamish away, you see three travelling bags tucked into a corner beside the door. Quite large ones, actually. Do they have a monogram on them? Do they have initials? If you spend that one point of luck to make that a hard success, I will let you see what's on the bags.
1: Yes, I shall. Plenty of luck to spend.
0: There seem to be three sets of initials. H.M., E M and C M
1: H M E M C M Henry Mortimer Eleanor Mortimer and Charlotte Mortimer how odd why would anybody be using Charlotte's old things without having had the monogram changed and what's the point why would Henry and Eleanor both be leaving tonight If there's some emergency, then surely they would have told her and they would have arranged a carriage back this evening. This is very odd. And that feeling of not really being in the world that she's familiar with, where people do predictable things, and where people say predictable things, comes back to her. Oh, is
0: somebody taking a, a journey this evening? Eleanor looks at you and says, oh, oh, um, no, no, um, as part of, well, following up on your instructions, it's, uh, it's merely some things to take to the uh, the poor and needy of the village. Some old linens, clothing, bits and bobs to donate to those in need. that's no longer quite of the standard that a vicarage would require, but too good still to throw away.
1: Well, that, that's very kind of you, Eleanor. Can you give me a psychology role, please? I was going to say, do I believe her, this blatant lie?
0: Yes, you <laughs> <Apparently>, do.
1: <laughs> with another
0: horrible failure of 80 against 25. You could spend 60 points of luck. Nah. But I think that might be overdoing it a bit. Oh, dear. Yes. I think it's more a case of you want to believe that's the truth. Because the alternative is frankly quite disturbing
1: absolutely Yes, yeah, she gives a kind of a small smile but her heart's not really in it surely eleanor eleanor was my friend she thinks eleanor would not lie to me or do anything untoward she certainly wouldn't run away in the middle of the night and leave me here in a house that i don't know far away from my home I'm just being paranoid, she thinks, after seeing that horrible scene in the church. Yes, it obviously disturbed you. I'm sure there's a good explanation.
0: Yes, there must be a good explanation. It must be. It's obviously disturbed you far more than you thought. It really did. Even the tea didn't help. No, some things even tea cannot put right. Wow. It's a shocking statement to make as an Englishwoman. It is. This is very serious business here. You're led into the dining room, which you can see also has had a feather duster flicked over it, although perhaps rather more hurriedly than the drawing room. Henry takes his place again at the head of the table and you find yourself sat next to Eleanor, leaving Dr Beamish and Squire Goodwin on the opposite side of the table. Place at the far end of the table opposite Henry, you notice is left empty. There is no place setting, though. You think that might have been... Hmm. You're quite relieved, actually. Given the way today has gone, you wouldn't have been at all surprised to see one, but you're somewhat relieved that there isn't one there.
1: Good stuff.
0: Thankfully, you are opposite Squire Goodwin, not Dr Beamish.
1: Oh, good. And Chinutra makes polite conversation and
0: hopes that it will not be the stew again for dinner. (laughs) the first course is a soup perfectly respectable vegetable soup quite tasty if you've never been introduced to an interesting spice in your life do <laughs> you know perfectly passable perfectly appropriate for a country vicar and the wine that you have with that is also perfectly acceptable you get the distinct impression that the reverend is not one for creature comforts in particular so the food is good and hearty, the wine is solid if unremarkable, is part of the whole that you've been getting in terms of everything that you've seen here that didn't involve dismembered corpses in crypts. Perfectly
1: modest, perfectly respectable and frugal. And Janitra thinks, well, maybe she'd be marrying down a little bit if she did marry the vicar, which is a slightly disturbing thought for her because she does enjoy her creature comforts and she does enjoy her luxuries. She grew up pretty wealthy, to be honest, but well, maybe under her guidance, things won't be like this forever. Maybe she can introduce him to some of the little finer things in life and she'll write to her uncles back in Kolkata and maybe they can Ship her over a few boxes of spices. That will be a good place to start to introduce him to some of the more exciting things in life.
0: After all, you know it's not because he doesn't have the money. Charlotte's death left him quite wealthy by all accounts. He's just a sensible, frugal man. Mm-hmm. And as you're thinking that, the main course appears and joy of joys, it's another <laughs> meat stew. <laughs> Yay! (laughs) And you see Mrs. Phillips bring in bowls for you, Squire Beamish and Dr. Goodwin, and then separate bowls for the Reverend and Eleanor. And a new bottle of wine is brought out and poured to go with the stew. And give me a spot, hidden roll, please.
1: I can. 64 against 60. Yes, I'm going to spend four points of luck, I think.
0: Now, you already noted at lunchtime that the Reverend and Eleanor's stew was apparently vegetarian. But what you also noticed this time is that, yes, their stew definitely doesn't appear to have any meat in it. And while Dr B. Mission Squire Goodwin's does, it's not the same as yours. As in,
1: it's a different kind of meat?
0: Yes. Yours looks exactly the same as the meat that you've had since you arrived here. There's appears to be beef. How odd. How odd.
1: I think maybe she thinks this is the housekeeper trying to be culturally sensitive. Maybe they've assumed because she's Indian, assumed that she's Hindu. She's not. She's a Protestant. But that's quite a nice kind of thing for them to have thought of,
0: really. Mm-hmm. It is. Can you give me a look roll, please? I can. A success, 33 against 56. Which is just as well, because as we all know, you cannot spend luck points on a look roll. Uh-huh. <laughs> People do ask sometimes, as you're busy thinking about this, something crunches in your mouth. Ooh
1: bit of bone, bit of gristle, perhaps. She lifts her napkin and very delicately and politely just removes the offending thing and makes it look as though she's just wiping her lips rather than spitting something out, which would be terribly rude.
0: Yes. No one appears to notice that you've extracted this lump of gristle or bone or whatever it happened to have been. The conversation continues... Dr Beamish looks at you across the table. Well, my dear, are you enjoying that stew? Good, hearty, healthy food. One must be careful of one's diet. What one eats says an awful lot about one. I'm having a horrible
1: thought about what is in that stew, or perhaps who is in that stew.
0: (laughs) Are you having that horrible thought? Janitra is not having that thought. <laughs> Lydia is having
1: that thought. But...
0: Damn, that would have been a sanity roll. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't think she's quite far gone enough yet to have that thought, but it's only a matter of time if these roles continue the way they have been. <laughs> and she smiles back and says, oh, yes, I've been a Brighton all season. It's, it's good, really, to have a return to good old hearty... Simple, delicious food. One can get a little tired of afternoon teas and ball finger foods. It's nice to be having a a good old-fashioned hearty stew like this.
0: It's not, but (laughs) (laughs) she has to pretend. His grin gets even wider and he knocks back his glass of wine. Are you enjoying your stew? Yes, although I do find this digestif I discovered on the continent helps remarkably with the digestion. I try it, my dear. Try it, my dear. I haven't touched it yet. What is it? Well, it's the stuff in your wine glass, woman. Well, what does it look like? Does it just look like normal wine? It does. It looks like red wine. Hmm. Again, slightly weird pairing for stew with or can in it as a white meat, but suitable for what he's drinking.
1: And she'll take a sip, just to be polite.
0: It tastes herby when you first take a mouthful. But then afterwards, you get this distinct bitter taste.
1: Well, I'm afraid I don't know much about wine. I've never really developed much of a taste for it. Now, tea, if you ask me about tea, I could hold forth on the properties of tea for a very long time. You said you discovered this on the continent, so you've been travelling.
0: Ah, yes, well, as every well-educated young man really should, my dear.
1: Ah, the Grand Tour. Yes. How lovely.
0: Ah, yes. One learns so much by immersing oneself in the culture of other countries, I find.
1: I do detect a kind of herbal... Note, is that what wine
0: experts call it? It's been infused with something? Yes, a selection of herbs to help with the digestion. Make sure things don't sit heavily during a hearty, healthy meal.
1: And this is a traditional drink, you say? Whereabouts is it from?
0: Oh, it's from the Mediterranean somewhere. I forget where exactly. I bought quite a few bottles back with me, and then I had a man analyse it to work out what was there and I've been making my own ever since.
1: What a fascinating hobby.
0: Yes, well, one must find something to entertain one in these quiet English villages. There's not always a lot of entertainment to go around, if you know what I mean.
1: Mm, Yes, I'm sure I do. And you grow the herbs yourself?
0: Yes, yes. I have an extensive herb garden at the cottage.
1: I see. What are they called, these herbs?
0: Oh, I won't bore you with their names. There's a little bit of rosemary in there, some thyme. Nothing else that you'd probably recognise. A young woman like yourself, I wouldn't imagine you'd be all that familiar with the sorts of things that go on in a kitchen.
1: Uh, No, you're absolutely right there. I've never really been into gardening, I must admit.
0: You're sure you hear him mutter good, good under his breath? Oh, dear. Oh She's walking right into this, isn't she? <laughs> the question is, do you drink any more or is that one taste of it, that sip, more than enough for you?
1: No, I, I think she might just occasionally take very small sips, just to be polite so it doesn't look as though she's rejecting it. But no, I, I think she drinks mainly water. I'm assuming water was served as well at the time.
0: I'm going to say yes, because I'm also going to say that the vicarage has its own well, which has a good clean water supply.
1: And we're in Hampshire, so we've got that nice chalky clean water, don't we? So
0: Exactly. It's not like getting water from a pump in one of the cities.
1: No. Nice. Is Eleanor drinking it?
0: Eleanor certainly seems to be drinking it, yes. The squire, you can see, is drinking it, but again, you suspect more out of politeness than anything. In fact, he even makes a comment of, yes, um, interesting, not sure I'd want it every dinner, but, um, you know, if if you say it helps with the digestion, I, I don't suppose it's any good for gout, is it? And the two men start to have a discussion about the best ways to avoid gout and to treat it. Slightly... Odd topic of conversation for dinner, but at least it means he's not talking to you anymore.
1: (laughs) Yes, I think by the end of the main course, she's probably drunk maybe a third of a glass worth, just little fairy sips again, just to be polite. And she makes conversation with Eleanor about just general things, about maybe about the herbs in the wine. Is Eleanor into gardening? Does Eleanor enjoy
0: flowers and herbs she enjoys flowers but she's not really a gardener she doesn't mind pottering in the garden and picking blossoms for arrangements mm-hmm. in the house but she's not a gardener the gardener that they usually have hasn't been taking much care of the garden lately because it has got forgotten about but she assures you that next year obviously the garden will be looking much more its usual self
1: And just to check, Eleanor's plate, is that obviously beef or...? No, that's vegetarian again. That's vegetarian, sorry, yes. This is very odd, isn't it?
0: And Mrs Phillips comes in and takes away the plates and reappears with a suet pudding. The wine glasses are taken away, new wine glasses are procured and another red is poured into them. From a different bottle, this time to the one that was used for the main course. Is it a bottle
1: with a handmade label, or does it look like it's come from a wine merchant somewhere?
0: It looks like it's come from a wine merchant somewhere.
1: Right. Okay, so this looks like it's normal wine, presumably.
0: Yes. Yes. And as Mrs Phillips is serving you, Dr Beamish suddenly sneezes very loudly and theatrically, startles you. Mrs Phillips nearly spills custard on your lap because she's so surprised. Can you give me a spot hidden roll, please? I can. A hard success
1: of 27 against 60.
0: You notice several things. The first thing you notice is that Squire Goodwin seems to be getting a little sleepy. seems to be having trouble keeping his eyes open. The second thing you notice is that Eleanor just sprinkled something in your wine glass. And the third thing is that the Reverend Mortimer saw her do it.
1: Ooh, this is a really disturbing development. Eleanor, Eleanor, my dear, what are you doing?
0: I don't know what you mean. My wine glass. I distinctly saw you. My dear Miss Chatterjee, I assure you, I've done nothing at all to your wine glass. I merely moved it out of the way to make sure that you didn't knock it when you jumped.
1: Is it more Dr. Beamish's herbs? Something to help with the digestion, perhaps? She's trying to give Eleanor an out here?
0: Yes, that's exactly it, yes. Well... You didn't seem to have taken too much of it last time, so the doctor indicated that I should... um, Yes, yes, young women need help with their digestion. You know, good hearty food, it's hard on a woman's stomach. The fairer sex are not as robust as we gentlemen and <laughs> need a little extra assistance. It's good for tails you, my dear, really. Drink up <laughs> Ooh oh I really
1: hate him. I really, really hate him. <laughs> oh he's terrible, isn't he? Oh yes. Janita's not going to drink any more of this wine and she's feeling really quite upset that Eleanor would deceive her like this. I mean, she thought Eleanor is like her ally in this and Eleanor doesn't like this horrible man either. And what is going on? And she's distinctly starting to feel that she's in danger. And maybe she needs to leave the house first thing in the morning. Maybe she made a terrible mistake coming here.
0: yes. You are seriously beginning to wonder that. And as you tuck into your suet pudding, you ponder these things. You notice that the conversation seems to be taking a darker turn. The candles are growing low. Squire Goodwin is most definitely fast asleep in his chair now. And the Reverend Mortimer turns to you and says, Miss Chatterjee, what are your thoughts on death and forgiveness? Are there some sins that can never be forgiven? Do you believe that there is a heaven where our loved ones are waiting for us?
1: I believe there is a heaven. I believe that with all my heart, Reverend. In, in terms of forgiveness, I, I don't know. I, I hope I have never done anything so terrible to anybody that I should need to consider that. And neither has anybody done anything so terrible to me that
0: I've ever really had cause to think about it. Why do you ask? Forgive me. Perhaps it's melancholy brought on by what you found in the crypt this afternoon. But I have to admit, my dear Miss Chatterjee, that my faith was strongly shaken by what happened to my dear Charlotte. And it has been shaken further by your discovery Perhaps it is the season, perhaps it is attempting this re entry into society. I don't know, but my thoughts have taken a darker turn this evening.
1: Well, into every life there is a little rain, is there not? Then does the good book not tell us there is a time to mourn
0: and a time to dance? It does indeed. It does indeed, and I hope my time to dance will be forthcoming soon. I truly do. I feel sure of it,
1: Reverend. Very sure indeed.
0: And he looks at you and smiles. Can you give me a psychology roll, please? I can. Oh, 95 against 25. What is wrong with my dice spot? He looks at you very seriously... And you can't tell whether it's the wine or the food or everything that's happened to you, the thoughts that are whirling around in your head. But for the life of you, you cannot make out what that expression actually means. You don't know whether he's trying to impart his thankfulness for your understanding or whether he's considering you as a suitable means for him to acquire that happiness. You really don't know. Reverend, I'm
1: sorry, I know this is not suitable conversation for the dinner table, so I'm afraid you will have to forgive me, but what I saw in that crypt, we have to bring whoever it was to justice.
0: Yes. Yes, perhaps we do. Yes. Can you give me a con roll, please? Oh, dear, I've been poisoned.
1: In something that will shock and appall you... Failure of 83 against 65.
0: Right. Now, for reasons, which I'm sure you're probably going to be able to guess, I'm going to give you a bonus die on that roll.
1: Okay, It's the wine, isn't it? I only had a little bit of the wine. Let's see. Oh, that's much better. Oh, that turns it into a 25, which is much more like it. And it also makes
0: it a hard success, which is more important it does now you are feeling slightly drowsy slightly muddle-headed your limbs feel heavy but you can still think you still feel in control of your own actions and there's just something about the way that he said probably and you're fairly certain he looked at dr beamish when he said it makes your blood run cold Although you feel numb, really, and don't particularly react at all. Reverend Mortimer, what was in that wine? looks you straight in the eye and says, there was nothing of consequence in that wine. You will forget all about it. And you get the distinct impression from his tone of voice that he's expecting a certain response to that.
1: I don't think I shall ever forget today, Reverend. Dr Beamish, what, what are you doing? You're a medical man. What did you put in that wine? And why? This is not a digestif. Look at the poor squire. He's asleep. Right here at the table. And Eleanor, you're my friend. What are you
0: doing? Why are you helping this man? I'm doing what must be done, my dear Miss Chatterjee. And as you look across the table as Dr Beamish, as he rises... You realise that he's pointing a flintlock pistol at you.
1: Oh, no. Dr Beamish,
0: put that down. I don't think so, my dear. Henry, would you take the lovely Miss Chatterjee to our appointed place? And the Reverend stands up and looks at you and says with a perfectly straight face, I do apologise, Miss Chatterjee. "'but my sister told me that you offered to do anything "'to help ensure my future happiness. "'I'm most pleased that you made that offer. It, "'It allows me to feel slightly less guilty "'about what is to become of you. "'And if you will take my arm, we shall... "'Well, we shall see what we shall see. "'I suggest you do come along. "'Dr Beamish is more than capable of shooting you, you see. "'We don't require you uninjured for what is about to happen.' I'm sure you understand. It's nothing personal at all. I think maybe part of her that she was
1: absolutely refusing to acknowledge, realized something like this was going to happen. She reaches out and makes a grab for the napkin, which she had secreted whatever was in her mouth earlier, and flicks it out and rolls it on the table. She wants to know, what was she eating? What was that
0: thing in her mouth? That looks hideously like a human fingernail. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, that's a sanity roll.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. But it was an extreme success of six versus 47.
0: In your muddle-headed state, it's kind of not that much of a surprise. (laughs) I mean, you still lose a point of sanity. Because that's an entire human fingernail with your teeth marks in it. Oh, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's absolutely shocked and horrified. She goes pale
0: and starts feeling just a little bit sick. Understandably. And do you accept the Reverend's arm?
1: Absolutely not. Even though she's trying to be polite, there are
0: limits. There really are. <laughs> Dr. Beamish indicates with his flintlock pistol that you should follow the reverend and you feel Eleanor shoving you from behind, gently, but still shoving you.
1: I'm guessing there are no knives on the table. Or if there are, they're just like... There'll be butter knives. Butter knives. Blunt eating knives. Give me a look, roll. Okay. This is why they didn't serve roast beef. Success! 55 versus 56. It's a narrow success, but
0: it'll do. There are. Possibly more of use is a fork, because let's face it, there is a dessert fork there, and you can do far more damage with a fork than you can with a butter knife.
1: Oh, good
0: point. I'm going to give you a Dex roll or sleight of hand if you have it, to see if you can actually manage to grab a hold of it without any of them noticing.
1: Okay, I've only got 10 in sleight of hand, so I'll go with Dex. And how she's going to try and cover it is this is quite public what she's done with the napkin and the fingernail rolling out onto the tablecloth. And I said she'd gone pale, so she's going to clamp a hand over her mouth and look like she's about to be sick and grab onto the edge of the table to keep herself upright that's how she's going to try and cover it
0: go for it so let's
1: see what happens (laughs) of course not 97 against 60 that's not a fumble though is it
0: it's not because your skill is above 50 percent so you would only fumble on 100 in that case Do you want to spend 37 points of luck to turn that into a success? Oh, it is really tempting. I've got 56 luck. Oh, that's an awful lot when you don't know what's coming.
1: It is for just a dessert fork. I think, to be honest, she could just be pokey with her fingernails (laughs) rather than her cake fork at this point.
0: Yes, you sit down and your hand sort of darts towards it. But then Dr. Beamish goes, ah, 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 and waves the flintlock menacingly in your face.
1: And she gives him a very cold look and with great dignity. She stands up and
0: sweeps
1: out of the room.
0: Upstairs, young lady, upstairs. And the Reverend heads up and presumably you follow him. Eleanor is just behind you. Dr. Beamish is following up. At the rear, presumably to make sure you don't attempt to make a break for it.
1: Is there any sign of any servants in the house at this point? No, absolutely none. Of course, they might well be in on it. Who knows? It's probably not worth trying to call out for help, not with that flintlock pistol. And what are they going to do? There's not enough of them. And there's three of these people and only one of her. She's got no choice, really, but to go where they're leading.
0: Bizarrely, Reverend Mortimer stops in front of a small wooden door on the landing that you'd never really noticed before, partly because you'd not been to that part of the house, because you've headed past your room, you've headed past his room, and you've turned a corner. And when he opens the door for all the world, it looks like a linen closet. He then proceeds to lift the shelves out and press on the wall at the back which reveals a staircase leading upwards. A hidden attic? He heads up the stairs and you are encouraged to follow by Eleanor and Dr. Beamish behind you with the gun.
1: I don't think there's any way out of it. So, yeah, she'll be going upstairs. But I think the entire route through the house, her eyes are darting from side to side, just looking to see any kind of help she could find or anything she could grab to try and fight her way out. But I imagine there's nothing.
0: There's really nothing that you can see. The staircase leads up to a small attic room with a low gabled ceiling. And you can see that there is a square hatch at the apex that... Presumably opens out into the roof. It's open and moonlight bathes the room. One of the first things that strikes you, even in your muddle-headed state, is the fact that there are numerous portraits of a young woman hanging on the wall. There are two chairs set in the centre of the room and a table. With a large candle burning on it, and some sort of brass dish suspended over the candle,
1: some kind of like an incense dish,
0: quite possibly. Doctor Beamish indicates with the flintlock that he wants you to sit in one of the chairs that's positioned under the hatch in the circle of moonlight. Why? What? What is this place? What? What are you doing? We're bringing to a culmination almost a year's worth of work, my dear.
1: That woman in the pictures, that's her, isn't it? That's Charlotte, the dead woman.
0: The Reverend looks at you, says, Yes, it is indeed Charlotte.
1: You killed her, didn't you? Both of you, you killed her, you, you poisoned her. I know all about it. You you poisoned her with some plant, some plant that gives you visions, but, but the sap, it, it's poisonous. Most
0: unexpectedly, Dr. Beamish bursts out laughing. And there's this huge, horrible, guffawing noise, and his body literally shakes with laughter. Is he laughing so much
1: that his grip on the pistol is potentially loosened? Give me a spot hidden roll, please. Okay. 67 against 60. I think this is the time to spend luck, isn't it, really? Yes. Yeah, I'll spend the seven.
0: Despite the fact he's laughing really hard, you're watching his hand and there is absolutely no loosening of the grip on that gum.
1: What's so funny? There's nothing funny about any of this.
0: Oh, you'll find out, my dear. You'll find out, won't she, Henry? Won't she? And the Reverend just looks at you and says, Please, Miss Chatterjee, I would be uh, most grateful if you would take a seat. I'd prefer you to do it willingly, but if not... As has already been pointed out, you only need to be alive for what is about to happen. You do not need to be uninjured. Feeling
1: absolutely desperate, looking around, can't see any way out. The hand on the gun is still strong. She can't fight the gun and she can't attack any of them unarmed. She sits down, but she looks at Eleanor. says, Eleanor, why are you doing
0: this? You're my friend. I'm so glad that you thought so. My dear Miss Chatterjee Ouch! Ouch! (laughs) Ha ha! Oh, the betrayal. I have excelled myself in that respect, it would appear. No, you are simply a means to an end, my dear girl. My brother's lasting happiness. You think you can get any
1: happiness by this...
0: whatever this is, this witchcraft? That is the entire point. Now, please, sit.
1: Think she's going to have to.
0: Dr. Beamish hands Eleanor the gun, and basically because they don't trust you, he ties your wrists behind you with ribbon. However, you notice that despite the fact he's meant to be a surgeon, he's not particularly good at knots, not particularly dexterous. You're fairly certain, given a little bit of time, you might be able to wiggle your hands free.
1: Brilliant. Okay. And as she's being tied up, I think she makes a really tight fist so that her wrists are a bit wider than they would be or her muscles are tense. So she'll get a little bit of slack once he's finished. And also if it's ribbon, I'm assuming that means silk, so it
0: will be quite slippery. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Good, good. You know, in any other circumstances, you'd probably be admiring the quality of the silk, but this is not the time nor the place.
1: (laughs) I'll take it with me when I go. If I (laughs) manage to escape, it's going on a bonnet.
0: (laughs) While Dr Beamish is tying you up, you basically notice Henry, the Reverend Mortimer, pouring what looked like yet more herbs into that brass dish over uh, the candle. And then he takes the candle and he actually lights whatever's in there and then puts the candle back in position. And you see this pale white smoke start to emerge from the bowl and it starts to reach towards you and it smells sweet. It's not unpleasant, actually, which is slightly more disturbing than if it had been unpleasant. And then the three of them step back and wait and you hear a scratching noise and a scrabbling noise, not entirely dissimilar to what you heard in the walls and the ceiling last night. And then from a hole in the chimney breast, which in your shock and fear and headedness you, you hadn't noticed before, there emerges a creature. Tall, gangly, dressed in the ruins of a white Empire line frock with hideous canine features. Oh. Yes. Oh no. The creature, whatever it is, has attempted to style its hair in a semblance of current fashion. The hair is grey and hideous and brittle and frizzy it sniffs as it clambers out of the fireplace and heads towards you can you give me a sanity roll please? I would be shocked if I didn't <laughs>
1: unsurprisingly that's a failure of 85 against 46
0: oh dear can you roll 1d6 for me please ouch Come on, dice. Four. Ooh, now that's lucky, isn't it? It is. <laughs> because if you'd lost five points of sanity, we'd have been looking at a temporary insanity. Oh dear. However, you did fail your roll, so let's have an int roll. Okay.
1: Uh, Janitra has 55 intelligence, so that's average. And that's a success.
0: Oh, dear. (laughs) Yeah, the
1: one time I don't want to get a success tonight is the type I do. 35 against 55.
0: Right. Yes, you're not going to have a bout of madness, but you have thoroughly understood what this is. This is Charlotte. Even through those canine features, you can see that this is the woman who is supposed to be dead. And she is stalking across the attic sniffing and your nostrils are assailed with the stench of death and decay but also this overpowering fragrance of rose that's almost been used to try and disguise the stench you
1: you can't do this people know where i am i have family i have connections people will come looking for me Let me go now and I won't say anything, I promise. It'll be a secret forever.
0: The creature stalks round you, sniffing. And then she looks at the Reverend Mortimer and, well, as far as you can tell, it's a smile and just slurs, She will do, Henry. Eleanor, she will do. And Henry walks towards her, takes hand paw whatever you'd call that and kisses it lovingly and then he leads her to the chair behind you and you feel it creak and groan as charlotte takes her place upon it
1: this is absolutely horrifying This is not the love story that Sinitra is dreaming about. This is not the great romance that she's heard all about. What is this thing? What is this not even person? And more to the point, how is she going to get away? While she's looking at this horrible vision and this dreadful parody of a couple in love, she's just thinking... I've got to get out. I've got got to get away from here. I've got to run. And she's going to start trying to work free the knots. Because I think it would be pretty obvious that she's almost spasming in horror. And so she's using that to cover her trying to unpick the knots.
0: Well, I won't ask you for a role yet. Okay. We will wait for a suitably dramatic moment to ask for that role. (laughs) Okay. As Charlotte is now settled in the chair behind you. You can no longer see her. But Henry walks to stand somewhere behind you. You're assuming it's facing his wife. Eleanor puts the gun down on the table and takes up a position opposite Dr. Beamish. So you suspect that they've probably positioned themselves in a triangle around you. And the reverend starts to chant something. Now, you can't understand what it is, but it sounds like Greek. Greek. And he starts to chant and then Eleanor and Dr. Beamish suddenly say something in Greek back to him. It's almost like when you would say Amen at the end of a prayer in church and this continues. And and as you listen and you watch, you can see that they're distracted. They're paying very close attention to the words, which are obviously unfamiliar, but it becomes muffled. I mean, OK, you're already struggling because your brain isn't quite thinking straight, thank God you didn't drink any more of that wine than you did. But you see the smoke that's coming from that dish wrapping itself around you and Charlotte and it seems to be dulling the sound and it's also glowing in the moonlight. And as I say, you see that Eleanor and Dr Beamish at least are very much concentrating and aren't really paying all that much attention to you at the moment. Where is the gun? Does Eleanor still have the gun? No, she's put it down on the table next to the candle. Okay.
1: How far is that from me? And in terms of like angle, if I am able to free myself, can I see where that is? Is it reasonable that I'd be able to make a grab for it if I can get my hands free?
0: You'd have to get away from the chair. Okay. So you've come in through the door. The table is against one wall. You're underneath the hatch in the roof in the moonlight. So if you were running for the door, you could make a grab for it on the way to the door. But you would have to get out of the chair and get to it first. OK. And to do that, you'd have to be darting between Dr. Beamish and Eleanor. Right, right. OK. So it's it feels almost as if this is coming to a crescendo. You feel sick you feel as if something is about to happen you can feel your not your strength but something slipping away if you're going to make a break for it might i suggest you try now so you can take your choice of either a strength a dex or a sleight of hand roll to see if you can get out of the ribbon that binds you
1: I think it's going to have to be a dex because Janitra's dexterity is slightly higher than her strength and it's much higher than her sleight of hand. So in terms of the dex, I think she's just trying to stretch her fingers as far as she possibly can. She's remembering those long ago piano lessons and how her piano teacher used to make her do exercises to increase her span because I don't think her hands are particularly large. Her size is 50, so her build isn't Mm -hmm. particularly long. She doesn't have the hands of a great concert pianist, but she's trying to remember those exercises and she's stretching as far as she can to try and unknot this ribbon. So let's give it a go. We're looking for less than 60. Hard success! 23 against 60. Thank you, Dice Roller. You came through just when I needed you. (laughs) Told you these things know how
0: to tell stories. They do, they really do. And just as you feel that the ritual is reaching some sort of crescendo, you manage to get your hands free and you dart for the table. Now, as you dart for the table, you manage to step outside of the moonlight and you hear this horrified cry from Henry behind you, who just shrieks, No! No! As if his heart is breaking in two and you hear the creature that is Charlotte howling in frustration and agony behind you. What do you do? Run. <laughs> this is a <laughs>
1: flintlock pistol. One bullet. I don't think Janita probably ever really fired a gun before. She's <laughs> never really been around guns, to be honest. There's no point trying to fight this Thing, this Charlotte thing and who knows if the gun will even do any damage but she's going to keep the gun because she knows they'll probably try and come after her but she's just running for her life
0: okie dokie so you're just running for it very wise give me another dex roll then ok 31 against 60 a success hooray do you want to spend that point of luck to make it a hard success I think I do absolutely So you were so quick, getting the ribbons off, getting the gun and getting out of the door. It was almost like it happened before anyone had a chance to react. They were just so shocked because as far as you can tell, they were convinced that whatever it was they were going to do was about to come to fruition. And you race down the stairs. Your feet are just flying under you. You hear the clock in the hallway chiming. As you run, you hear bedlam breaking out behind you. Screams and wails and hideous noises that you never want to hear again. What do you do? What time did the clock chime, sorry? You're fairly certain it's just chimed 11.
1: There is a coach arriving any minute now, and I'm going to be in that coach. (laughs)
0: And seeing as you've made a hard success of your roll, yes, I think you managed to get down to the door. You pull it open just as the coach appears. And very
1: quickly, she picks up one of the bags, doesn't matter which one, whichever is closest, and just runs and goes, driver, go, I'll give you an extra sovereign if we go now.
0: Right you are, miss.
1: And she runs, doesn't even wait to be handed up into the carriage. She just yanks open the door for herself, picks up her skirt, doesn't even care that she's flashing an ankle. And she just throws herself into the carriage, yanks the door behind her and just goes, go, 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 go now, go now.
0: You hear the coachman whip crack as he urges the horses onwards and you ride off into the night. I survived. (laughs) Thanks to some very lucky titles at the end (laughs) Oh, it shows its moment, didn't it? It really did. So where does Miss Chatterjee go? Well, the coach is booked to go to Portsmouth. It
1: is. But once they get out of that attic, I think they'll realise that she's gone and that she's going to Portsmouth. So she's not going to go there. As soon as they're a few miles away... She's going to ask the coachman to stop and to go somewhere else. I think she's probably not going to go home either because they know who she is. They know who her family is. She's just going to have to go somewhere else, somewhere that they don't know her. Eventually, she'll go to Portsmouth, but she's going to have to go to whatever is the biggest city on the route that they were going and just take a room in a lodging house for a few nights I just try and get herself back together and then eventually she's going to book passage on a ship and go back to Kolkata where she was born and writing a letter to her parents on the way and she's probably crying as she writes it because she loves her family very much but she can't be anywhere that these people know where she is and she asks if her parents want to come as well you know want to join her and Maybe she goes and stays with a cousin or something when she gets back to India. And she's angry. She's really angry at what she's lost and this life that she built for herself. But she's alive and that's the most important thing.
0: You don't find out about this until a lot later because you're on the boat to India within a couple of days of fleeing Osney Grange for what you think is the safest option It's several months later when it slowly filters through to you of the hideous deaths of the Reverend Henry Mortimer and his sister, Eleanor Mortimer, believed to have been at the hands of a Dr. Thornton Beamish who disappeared from the village of Osney Grange, never to be seen again.
1: Well, I think for the rest of her life, Janitra is looking over her shoulder and that smile. She remembers that horrible ungentlemanly smile and she never forgets i don't think she ever trusts the medical profession again i don't think she will ever trust a surgeon or a doctor or anybody any man of science ever again when she gets ill she will never ever do anything other than maybe take some traditional herb remedies and she never forgets it and she still wakes up with a horrible horrible smile in her mind
0: And on that note, listeners, we come to the end of Curate and Curability. Thank you ever so much, Lydia. That was absolutely amazing. Oh,
1: thank you. What an ending. That was, <laughs> I hesitate to use the word fun, but it was. It really was fun. Thank you so much.
0: I was trying so hard not to laugh every time you kept walking into the, oh, I'll do anything that you need to help make your brother happy. He's like, yes.
1: Oh, she just, poor thing. She just doesn't get it. She's just too nice. That's her problem. Nice investigators do not survive till the end.
0: This is very true. But she did but somehow she did she did because the dice roller took pity on you yes thank you dice roller that could have gone really
1: badly couldn't it? <laughs> it really really could
0: so is there anything in particular that stands out for you for this scenario what particular points have you enjoyed the most did you enjoy the experience on the whole absolutely i really did I love the way that the plot built and the pacing
1: of it. It, It's so well written, this scenario. It really is. And just the way it builds to such a brilliant climax as well. The sound of the scratching that you mentioned, that kind of passed me by in the first episode. I didn't notice it. And then I only remembered that you'd said it when I heard it again (laughs) tonight. And I was just thinking it was flavour. It was just... Maybe there's rats, or maybe it was a Lovecraft reference, the rats in the walls.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
1: Which I guess maybe it was, but not in the way I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Huh. and so she was always there. Oh, that's super, super creepy. So presumably they were trying to use my life force, as it were, to bring Charlotte back, and that wasn't a ghost that I saw. It was her
0: Yes, it was her that you saw. Ah. She was a ghoul, basically. And the story that you found in the library was what they were trying to do. They were trying to transfer her curse into you oh oh I could have ended up as a ghoul yes wow <laughs> <laughs> so yes the idea was to transfer the curse into Miss Chatterjee and then then flee the country because of course they've told everyone that Charlotte is dead she can't just suddenly reappear they've got to go abroad and start all over again wow didn't see that one coming <laughs> I totally didn't realize that okay oh it was lovely listening to you pontificating as to what you thought was happening which was <laughs> glorious it was really good and he-
1: he laughed at me he's not nice is he
0: i can put your mind at rest he's dead too oh good she at him good when you actually escaped the ritual was just about to kick in and the frustration of not succeeding basically tipped her over the edge so yes she killed everybody But she dragged Beamish away to feast on his bones. He was the architect of the failed attempt to cure her, so became the main focus of her rage. So you can sleep happily. Okay. Poor Janitra is, as you say, going to be having nightmares for the rest of her life about that. (laughs) And whether Dr Beamish is going to turn up again.
1: (laughs) Who was I eating? Who was in the stew?
0: You were eating various members of Charlotte's
1: family. (laughs) That's why they were mutilated and that was why it was the recent.
0: Yes. They thought that feeding you human flesh would help the transformation stick. Oh, I love that. Who knows, maybe Miss Chatterjee has a taste for long pig. <laughs> maybe, maybe. And I'm, I'm not
1: going to give any Children of Fear spoilers, which of course is one of your great magnum opuses. But yeah, there's something of a community that she might well one day fit into, isn't there?
0: Yes. Yes, actually, there is. Yes, she does have potentially odd thoughts about people as they wander past. Ooh, that one looks tasty. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was a huge amount of fun. And you're right. This is a beautifully written scenario by Stu. Yes. It's my favourite of the three. Obviously, massive nods to Jane Eyre.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Madwoman in the
0: attic. Oh, yes. If you've got a Regency house with an attic, if you've not got a madwoman in it, really, what <laughs> are you doing? Absolutely. And it really does nod to that whole gothic horror romance thing that's going on slightly later than this, but also slightly earlier as well. You know, very long tradition of gothic.
1: Very much so.
0: Of course, Northanger Abbey is Jane Austen's pastiche on all of that. Yes.
1: That's something I find so interesting about the Regency period is that you've got this going to the ball and finding a husband and dashing military officers and then underneath there's that whole other undercurrent of Lord Byron and Mary Shelley and John Polidori having written The Vampire, of course. There's this whole kind of underworld going on at the same time as this very respectable Jane Austen world and that's something that really appeals to me, that duality
0: it really does give you a lot to play with in terms of a Regency Cthulhu setting Mm. and ideas for what you can do within that setting. Definitely. It's such a
1: rich setting to explore, I think. It's really interesting. It's become one of my favourites of the Cthulhu settings. Very fond of it.
0: Oh, I'm really pleased to hear that. It took a little bit of convincing to get Mike to let me have a run at this and get Andy Peregrine on board to do it, but... It's really been very rewarding and heartening to see how people are enjoying it and have really taken it to their hearts. Mm. And of course, we're getting wonderful material like this from people like Stu to help support it.
1: Absolutely. There's just so many interesting scenarios out there already, even for such a recently published book. And I think it's something which is definitely having a moment anyway in pop culture because of Bridgerton. And then there will always be the Jane Austen movies every few years. There's a new Pride and Prejudice, of course. But yeah, it's really great to see how people have really been inspired by the setting and by the new rules, the (laughs) etiquette rules. Even though you have these terrible things going on, you can't just come right out and say, I saw you put something in my wine because that's rude. You can't possibly be rude. (laughs) And yet you did it anyway. (laughs) I did it anyway because at that point she had nothing else to lose. But if there had been other people Mm. at the dinner table, would she have done it? If that had been happening in Brighton at the season, maybe not. Sometimes being polite will kill you. But is the social death of losing all that reputation... Is that worse than actually being at by a ghoul? Who knows? <laughs>
0: well, I mean, you wouldn't have been eaten by her, you know. Um you would have become her. <laughs> Which is worse again, really, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Oh that was that was excellent. Again, thank you very much again.
1: Thank you. It's been a real pleasure.
0: And thank you, listeners, for joining us for Curate and Curability. And we wish you all sweet dreams.
1: Good night, listeners.